Welcome to What Magnificence with Chase Thornock, where we help high-achieving executives and entrepreneurs find answers to their most vexing health problems through the power of what if. Now, here's your host, Chase. Hey guys, what's good and what if? Welcome to What Magnificence. I'm your host, Chase Thornock, and I'm so glad you're here today. So I've had an interesting week this week. Um, we have a ranch kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And my wonderful brother and sister-in-law came and visited us. You could kind of hear it in my voice. I'm tired. We, uh, we had a great time with them. But on their way out, it's an hour ride on dirt roads. And so they got about halfway and they got a flat tire. And when you're out here, everything takes a bit longer than, you know, when you're closer to cities. So it, it literally took about a day and a half to get the tire into the, into the city, to get, to get a replacement tire on, to bring the tire back. So it was wonderful to spend time with them, but I'm, I'm finding myself running a little bit late on this podcast. So I, uh, I apologize for this week. But we're going to continue our our uh, little mini series this week on different kind of disorders or different, um, yeah, different disorders that our bodies are dealing with, and the question of what if breath and cold could be useful for this for these disorders that we deal with. And before I get to that, please again go to my website, go to whatmagnificence.com, click on the products link there, and get some Absorb Plus. We're going to talk a little bit about what that can do for your gut here moving forward. And it did miracles for my gut and what gut has to do, what gut health has to do, especially with what we're going to talk about today. So today's discussion revolves around autism. And autism is is and has been kind of a hot button subject. It's obviously something that hits close to home um, for a lot of people. And so I, I want to make sure I'm, I stay sensitive of this. Um, and I'll do my best to do so. But uh, some interesting, an interesting article was published earlier this month about autism and a connection of between autism and IBD. So in in 2018, there was a study that was done that showed that kids with autism are 47% more likely to have Crohn's disease and 94% more likely to have ulcerative colitis. Um, that's interesting. And I think those of us who have close friends or family members and their children have autism or are somewhere on the autism spectrum, um, generally they have a lot of, um, gastrointestinal issues. It's just kind of a, a way of life. It's something that they deal with constantly. And obviously with this study, we know that there's an increased risk of IBD. Well, this study that was done earlier this month showed up in uh, Nature Medicine, the the Journal of Nature Medicine, and it looked at 2.3 million children that were born to 1.3 million women and 1.3 million men, okay? So these 2.3 million children, they found... They wanted to see, you know, we knew that the children had an increased risk of irritable bowel disease, but they wanted to see if the parents, if they were dealing with IBD, if there was any connection to the child's autism. So here's here's what they found. They found that um, IBD in mothers associated with a 32% increased chance of autism in their children. And interestingly enough, if their father had IBD, it resulted in a 9% increased chance. 
So not only the mothers, but the fathers also, their gut health played shows a connection. Now, obviously, we know that correlation is not causation. Just because a mother or father has IBD does not mean, right, that they're going to, that their children are going to have autism. But there is a connection. There is something that's going on there. Now, <laughs> so you may you may hear that and think, well, okay, obviously there's a genetic component here, right? The mother or the father has IBD. They have the genetic markers for IBD, and they pass that on to their children. Fascinatingly enough, they found that the children's autism traits tracked with an elevated genetic risk for IBD in their mothers, but not in themselves. Crazy, right? So the child was more likely to have autism if, if their mother had the genetic markers for IBD than if they had the genetic markers for IBD. So why? What's going on? And this is where I think, um, you know, obviously we don't know for sure why exactly what's going on. Um, the researchers hypothesized here that they thought it had to do with, you know, the maternal inflammation levels or maybe impaired nutrient absorption. So basically what their thought was, if the mom's dealing with IBD, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, those types of things, then the food that they're eating, their nutrients, they're not absorbing the nutrients very well, okay? Um, and as a knock-on effect, the fetus isn't getting the nutrients that they need, and and then autism is a, you know, is a byproduct of not absorbing all those nutrients. I also want to suggest that there's another possibility here. And that is, I agree with this, right? Like, I agree that inflammation obviously um, is impactful. Malabsorption of nutrients is, is impactful in a fetus. Whether the mother has IBD or not, um, if a mother doesn't get the adequate nutrition that she needs or the baby needs, we know that that impacts the development of the child. Um, but there's also another, another condition here that I think is important to talk about, and that's the idea of leaky gut. And I know we've talked about leaky gut previously, um, but just as a refresher, leaky gut refers to the idea that your intestines are a really fine filter, meaning that the food that you eat has to be broken down to its smallest elements before it can fit through the really fine filter that your intestine is. So when you eat bread, for example, the gluten protein in bread needs to be broken down into individual amino acids before it can be absorbed into your bloodstream. Lactose in milk is a sugar, but it's a, it's a complex sugar, and so it, you can't absorb it. So it has to be broken down um, in order for your gut to absorb it. It's the reason why people deal with lactose intolerance, because if they can't break it down because they're lacking the lactase enzyme or for any other reason, then the bacteria get a hold of the sugar, the bacteria eats it and causes the intestinal discomfort, the gas and the bloating that people experience while they have lactose intolerance symptoms, okay? So leaky gut is a breakdown of that filter. I've experienced leaky gut firsthand because of my Crohn's disease. Now, as I dove into research for this podcast, I was surprised by the how do I say this? Uh, I was surprised by the the conflict around leaky gut. Um, 
and the disagreement in the medical community of whether leaky gut is real or whether it's not. Um, and what I mean by that is that there's, there's not much disagreement about whether it's real or not, but whether it is a cause of disease is kind of where, um, where the debate is. So there happens to be a medical test for leaky gut, and I've had this test done. Uh, interestingly enough, it was done several years after my diagnosis of Crohn's disease. I remember I learned about this test, and I went to my, my GI um, doctor, who I love and adore and was tremendous. Um, but I, I remember asking him, I said, hey, I've heard about this test for leaky gut. Should we, should we try this out and see what my gut permeability is? And he chuckled and he said, I'm sure you have leaky gut. You have Crohn's disease. And I was so shocked by that answer because in my mind, I thought, well, well shouldn't, shouldn't we look closer at that? Isn't leaky gut a problem, right? All these questions started to go through my head. And it was kind of apparent that it wasn't as big of a concern for him. So take that for what you may. But this test involves drinking a sugar solution. And one of the sugar molecules is small and your body can readily absorb it. The other, the other sugar molecule is much, much larger, which means it should not go through the fine filter of your intestine, and it should pass through your entire intestinal tract. So once you've uh, ingested this drink, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of sweet, kind of weird, maybe like, uh, maybe like aspartame, you know, I was like kind of sweet, but kind of not sweet, kind of weird. Um, we waited a period of time and then they test your urine. And the idea goes is that if you have the larger sugar in your urine, then your gut is permeable, right? It's getting through that barrier when it shouldn't get through that barrier. And sure enough, my results showed that I had leaky gut uh, and my GI wasn't surprised at all. But the part that was surprising to me was Again, this debate around whether or not that was contributing to my, uh, to my poor health. And from my experience, it absolutely was. Uh, so I, I didn't realize it at the time, but the foods that I were eating, um, the full protein molecules were getting absorbed into my bloodstream before they broke down to an amino acid. And my body saw those as a threat and it added to the inflammatory load in my body. And one of the biggest culprits was gluten for me. Uh, and so when I ate gluten, uh, my joints would swell and I couldn't walk. They were incredibly, incredibly painful. And once I removed that from my diet, I did much, much better. I didn't have those symptoms anymore. And I attribute that to leaky gut. Um, and so part of me wonders if that's not also part of what's contributing to this, to this phenomenon here. Now, we also know that in, uh, in children with autism, that they have much higher loads of heavy metals in their bodies. And uh, part of the hypothesis there goes, maybe their, their bodies are less able to process the heavy metals that they ingest, and so they stay in their body more. Uh, but there could also be this component of leaky gut in the mother, where the mother's ingesting um, substances, toxins. We come across toxins all the time, right? And our body gets rid of them. But if your body's absorbing them and unable to rid themselves of it, then there's a possibility that that gets passed to the fetus. So just a few things to consider. Now, can breath and cold be helpful? Again, I, I want to be careful with all of this here because 
because it's such a hot button issue, and I know that it is. But when you do the breathing and when you do the cold, we know that it changes your body's response to stress. Not only does it make it more adaptive to stress, meaning when you do have a stressful experience, you have access to your full fight or flight system, but it also helps to change the calibration set point of that system. And we know that inflammation is connected to obviously IBD, right? It's called inflammatory bowel disease for a reason. Um, but it's also associated with the phenomenon of leaky gut. And so if, if you can get the inflammation more under control, then by definition, you're less likely to be dealing with inflammatory bowel diseases. That's my story. That's what I was able to find. And breath and cold were a key component to helping my body get there, to helping my body deal with the inflammation. Now, it's interesting because we have to be careful when it comes to villainizing different parts of the autonomic nervous system, right? For example, fight or flight, we're like, oh, fight or flight's a bad thing. But we know that it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just not a great thing when it's mistimed right? Or when the magnitude is not appropriate for the situation. The same thing's true here. Your gut permeability can shift all around and it's not necessarily a bad thing sometimes. Sometimes fluids and things need to move through your intestine at a more rapid rate. Um, maybe like when you're dealing with an infection uh, so that your body can deal with it in a, in a more appropriate way. So I don't, I don't necessarily want to villainize gut permeability because it's all part of this orchestra of your body. But again, when it becomes chronic and prolonged, that's when it can lead to, to, to damage and, and some, really uh, some really intense consequences, I guess. So consider that this week for, my, for you, my friends. What if, what if this, this inflammation that you're dealing with not only affects you, right, but it can also affect your children? Now, again, I don't want this to become a blame thing. Not at all. That's not the point of this at all. Um, but the point of this is to hopefully provide some information and some insight into, into a condition that I think is really, really challenging and obviously really, really complex. So consider that for yourself. Try it on, right? See what your body says about the idea. Consult with your physician and your doctor. And then if it feels right and, that, and you get the green light, give it a try and see what it does for your inflammation levels. And it'd be fun to hear your baseline, right? Take that gut permeability test if you have access to it and it makes sense for you. See where it's at. Do some breath and cold for a while. Take the test again. You can get real results, real quantifiable results um, and, and measure kind of your progress as you go along. So I'd love to hear more about that. If you, if you do end up doing that or what your experiences are, uh, you can email me at chase at whatmagnificence.com. And I'd love to feature you on the show. I've enjoyed speaking with you this week, and I hope you have a magnificent week coming up and we'll talk with you soon. Bye.